You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Mind Over the Chocolates Podcast. It's your boy Greg E.O.D. Culture change agent, and you know we pumped up. We rocking and rolling, swag surfing, and all that good stuff today. And I got a show for you. First and foremost, I want to start off with a couple housekeeping things. One, I want to say thank you, everybody, for showing up and showing out last week's podcast. Shout out to Peter Dutton and the whole team of Soul Pop, man. Podcast got great reviews. And thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all for those that supported early, early. And we on the 30-Day Thrive Challenge. It's day four. So shout out to Brian Washington, Jada Malone, Samuel Lucas, uh, Nunu, uh, Nate, Monica, uh, Renee, Bartram, Apey, uh, Sarisa, Comfort, Taylor, Kazim, yeah, Mia, Pete, Mike, Dr. Sanders, Miss Suggs, White Terran. We got 25 people in this thing. They locked and loaded. It was full within the first day. And I'm just so supportive for my older trouble as a nation for stepping up and showing love and support. And I, I'm telling y'all, we're gonna get we're gonna have this thrive, this challenge just popping. Hopefully everybody gets to reach their goals. And if not, they're gonna learn something new about themselves. Uh they're learning a lot about me already, because I you know I just try to keep it a hundred. And I just thank y'all for your overwhelming support. And I'm gonna urge y'all when November come, when we drop the announcements on a new wave of stuff we're working on, I need that same energy. Need that same energy, and there's gonna be no cap on this. It's for everybody, for all the minority trailblazer nation, man. I can't wait to launch Trailblazer University. I'm debating between Trailblazer University or Trailblazer Academy. I like the university sound better. Academy sounds kind of for like kids or something like that. But yeah, Trailblazer University is coming. It's coming. It's coming soon. There's going to be your online resource for behind the scene work, uh, consistent motivation, consistent, most importantly, consistent resources with people that are changing the game, like behind the scenes on really how to do it. Because, I mean, podcasts we have, we can only give us so deep within an hour, hour and a half. But we got some stuff that's about to drop that's about to be real in the field, right? And it's going to be every month new content, finance, real estate, relationships, all this stuff. I'm bringing you some exclusive work. I can't wait to get started. So get ready, get ready, get ready! Uh, I will not be long on this. I don't have anything to do. Have any updates? Uh, nope. Outside of Trailblazer University and shouting out to people to join the Third Day Thrive Challenge, I have nothing. So I hope your Thursday. I hope your week has been going well. Man, 2018 is flying. I mean, flying. It's crazy, 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 crazy. crazy. But let's jump into the show. And this show, I'm telling you, is going to be far more technical than the last show. It's not going to be story driven as much. 
is going to be just a technical experiment with a guy and his wife, and his wife not on, the, on this call, but a guy and his wife that, uh, that are doing some really good things in email marketing and just uh, taking business growth and development to the next level. So we're getting, I'm asking some real key questions about, okay, how do you generate leads? How do you keep momentum going? And about his backstory. So I definitely think y'all will enjoy it. Once again, I thank y'all, Minority Tribulation. I don't thank y'all enough for the support that y'all give me on every single platform, the confidence, the, the words of encouragement, the messages, uh, the monetary support, all that good stuff, man. And we still in the lab, yo. So I, I appreciate all y'all. Y'all have allowed me to travel the world. Like, seriously, this 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 has opened up speaking engagements to schools and, and places I never would have been able to, to, to get into. But y'all open the door, man, so I would never, never, never take y'all for granted. I love all y'all and enjoy the episode. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generational leaders. And as always, I have a show for you today. I'm really, really pumped up, excited about the show because it's layered. And I love layered shows because not only are we going to talk business, but we're going to talk about relationship, not relationship advice. So everybody's already there. Now we're not talking relationship advice, but it just, we're going to, we're going to be able to take this, um, interview in, in the places that I don't feel like we've been over the last couple of weeks or last couple of months, man. So I'm excited to kind of dig into it. Um, a, a husband and a wife team and how that dynamic plays out because I know a lot of us out there that, uh, maybe are working with it, it's just let me not even jump into it man i want to read the bio real quick and then jump right into the show so he helps e-commerce businesses make more money he is a co-founder of stellar emails an email marketing management service for all-time online retailers through digital courses in-person workshops corporate training and speaking engagements he helps e-commerce business owners and marketed teams use email to connect with customers and increase revenue a medical school dropout, he turned an internship at an online fashion startup into a digital consulting agency. From content strategy and social media management to online ads and product development, he shifted gears to what the one marketing channel that generated the most consistent revenue, email marketing. So he launched Stellar Emails to give businesses at every level the ability to use email to generate more sales each and every month. And all my own business owners out there, just all my people in, out there in general, you know how important it is to keep themselves consistent, to keep them coming, and most importantly, keep them growing. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Thierry Augustin to the My Nobody Trailblazer podcast, man. Welcome to the show. Greg, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you uh, being here and being able to come in and share some things with your audience. Hey, no doubt, man. No doubt. I appreciate you challenging me uh, this afternoon with the name, man. I was like trying to <laughs> finesse it up beforehand. I was like, should I even ask him? I was like, I have to ask because I, I don't know how I was going to pronounce that name. Matter of fact, what age were you that you asked your parents, like, where did you get this name from? Like, I, why did your parents name you this? I mean, not in a negative way. I'm just saying like, and in the your teachers growing up have a hard time pronouncing it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, especially since my name is toward the uh the top of the roll call. So you'd see the teacher, they'd start to furrow their brow a little bit, and then they just go ahead and throw out a theory. And I'm just like, No, <laughs> so close. So I actually spent uh, the majority of my life uh having people call me Terry instead mm -hmm. uh, because I just didn't want to deal with it. Um but it wasn't until I met uh my wife when she was just like, What's your real name? And um, ever since then, I had to uh, kind of shift shift back to what it's supposed to sound like. 
That's crazy. That's crazy, man. So as we always do, we try to start the show off with some positive momentum or just momentum in general. Keep the energy where it needs to go and kind of it helps me shape the podcast and why I want to lead it. So with that being said, can you share with us a quote or a mantra that you live by and a story about how you apply that quote or mantra to your everyday life? Oh, absolutely. So the quote is um, uh, actually something I picked up from uh, Dr. Creflo Dollar when I was listening to him online. And it says, whatever you focus on, you strengthen. So for me, that's a daily reminder of why I chose to niche down in the first place instead of, um, you know, being good at a lot of things. I wanted to be great at one thing. And all it does is just require, you know, your continuous focus and attention. And you can, you know, continue to grow by leaps and bounds. That's encouragement to everybody who's listening. Mm, I love that. I love that. And we're going to talk specifically about how you niche down into email marketing because that's that email marketing, e-commerce specifically, I mean, which is um, a very niche in itself. And I, I can't wait to break that down and explain it. But before we even get into your businesses that you have been able to start, um, your back, your background and everything else, not your background, but everything else, um, I wanted to ask you, and this is our first part because we're going to break this show into like three part, four parts. The first part is kind of your background, your past. Um, the second part focuses on your businesses and, and we're going to ask a lot of questions in that. And the third part, I also want to talk to you about uh, your working relationship with your wife, because I know there may be a lot of people online that may be uh, thinking about partnerships with their significant other and how you can kind of create boundaries and how you can have openness and honest communication while still uh, making sure that the business goes, the business flows. And I got a lot of stuff I want to ask on that. And then the last and one of the shortest things is just the future and kind of seeing where it goes, man. So let's take it back to the jump, man. What Before, can you share with our audiences a little bit about your background and who you are? Oh, absolutely. So uh, my journey into this kind of e-commerce space actually started when I was in medical school. And so I uh, had ended up taking a year off um, just so that I can explore some different things, clear my head a little bit. I ended up working um, in an HIV AIDS clinic, doing some traveling and then uh, probably doing some, you know, some odd jobs just to keep some money in my pocket. But um, when it came time to uh, actually resume my coursework, I was not into it. I knew that there was something more for me, um, that this wasn't uh, the exact path that was going to be the most fulfilling for me. And right around that time, a good friend of mine had asked me to uh, jump in with him on a project and he was starting uh, a men's fashion blog. So this was kind of around 2012 or so and the space was really kind of opening up for men i think previously uh you know women bloggers were kind of you know the only ones on the scene and i kind of got in at a really good time where we were able to grow pretty quickly network really well and have you know a lot of great uh connections with uh major outlets like you know gq and men's health and details when that was around uh and then kind of leverage that until I got a position at an independent men's magazine that turned into uh, an internship at uh, early stage uh, online fashion startup. And that's kind of where I really cut my teeth in, you know, online retail. And, you know, at that point, I think they were doing about, you know, five million a year. Mm -hmm. When I left, they probably were doing double that. Um but man, I got to wear so many hats. I got so much exposure. Um, and, you know, starting as an intern, I remember starting off, I was just like, you know, 
printing shipping labels and like steaming clothes and then uh, <laughs> i was able to you know uh, wiggle my way into some you know uh you know more executive meetings and kind of get a sense of how real decisions are made over companies that are making more money than i ever even thought about you know before having that experience so um i really got to cut my teeth there and kind of see um the power of content uh, mm-hmm. online and how you know, people you know when they consume that you can use that as a conversion tool but then also figuring out how to even share that content consistently and uh i saw that they were using email really well so of course i had to you know get some experience into that and kind of dig into it and um as i started to grow uh in the business and just grow my network in general in that new industry um i was speaking with a lot of business owners and i realized that they were either not doing any email marketing at all, and if they were, you know, they were doing it pretty poorly. So that had already given me a sense of, okay, this is a gap in the market. This is something that I can, um, you know, do well in and, and kind of um, use as leverage. And so I took some online courses and I had just kind of started a side hustle consultancy while I was working my nine to five and I started doing that for some of my clients and getting some really good results so that kind of laid the foundation uh, for where I am now. Mm, man, that's a, that's a lot in that story. But I want to go back to the beginning. When you say you decided to leave me- medical school, was that at the time a huge decision for you, for for yourself? Like what played into that? And then how when you transitioned to that, and then you went to interning? Because I know that's a big thing. You, know, I'm, I'm I'm going to med school, becoming I want to become a doctor, and now you're working in a whole different industry. I'm talking about fashion, and then the the retail space, and you the internship. Did you have any blowback from your family, from your friends, or what? What was like what was going through your mind when you made that decision? You know, I I think um, you know, to to my fortune, my, my mother was uh really kind of accepting. She had always raised me to be able to make uh, my own decisions and and sit with it and um, you know, not necessarily let anyone sway me out of it if I'm completely convinced uh that I should be doing something differently. Um I was that that milestone kid for my family, you know, first uh you know, mm-hmm. college graduate, you know, going into kind of like high level um, post grad and all that. So um, there was a lot kind of riding, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but, you know, now, you know, uh, I'm doing all right. So, <laughs> you know, no, no complaints, really. I think it was just something that, um, you know, for most people, yeah, you think about how can I make, you know, other people happy? Um, and then you kind of sacrifice yourself a little bit. I think, um, at an early age, I understood that, uh, if I'm not happy that I can't necessarily help anyone else. Um, so that was kind of more of a, the bigger decision. And, you know, it was just about kind of taking the leap and, and kind of seeing where things, uh, you know, fleshed out and, uh, it worked out in my favor for sure. Got you. And last question before we got to transition into kind of what you do in the current day, I wanted to ask, are you from are you are you from New York? Um, so uh, that's my my fun fact. I'm probably the most uh, New York New Yorker um, ever. Uh, <laughs> I actually lived in all five boroughs. Of all five. All five. <laughs> Is Even that Staten Island. I ended up going to high school in. Staten Did you do some Island. time or something like that? Like, yeah, I mean, I just you know just just moved around. So um, I have you know ties pretty much to to everywhere so that's my um that's my new york fun fact i've I've been able to literally experience every single borough um which one's your favorite 
I'm a Brooklynite now, okay. and, and I love Brooklyn, so it's the perfect kind of like town slash city feel. So you get a little bit of both here. So um, I'm happy about that. But uh, and this yeah, originally I was born in Haiti. I moved here when I was really really young, um, and then uh, yeah, just got to you know experience the whole of the city. So I could say that I'm, I'm a New York native for sure. Man, that's dope. Do you ever get get a chance to go back to to to, to Haiti and visit family, or not like that? No, nah, I think the uh, the two opportunities I had um, were, you know, when I was pretty significantly young and it was unfortunately for a funeral. And then uh, the next opportunity I had, I was actually uh, in medical school uh, and couldn't necessarily get away to um, go help out with the uh, earthquakes there. So uh, it's on my list of things to go back to uh, and things to experience. And um, I've already had a few um friends that are uh, that jumped onto some cruises and got to see some of the more countryside of Haiti. So um, I've seen the 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 selfies from that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have to go and make a trip back. I got you, man. So as we transition to the business part of things, and I know just looking through your bio and just hearing you talk right now, when you were actually working and you were online cutting your teeth in the online space, retail space, I know you had your hustle. You were doing your thing outside of your nine to five. What what was the exit trigger that happened for you to make the leap into entrepreneurship? Uh, for me, I, I thought, you know, there was uh, a ceiling on my earning potential, right? I had um, taken that position uh, knowing that I wanted to grow into it. Um, but as I started doing my my side hustle thing, I had slowly kind of exited into trying to uh, do some more remote work and seeing if that was a possibility. And it was, and, um, I had done a couple of really good projects. They're super uh, profitable. Um, and then I, uh, personally just kind of felt like, man, I, I don't know if I can, I can't renegotiate this, right? This is, <laughs> this is, you know, this is, the, this is exactly, this is pretty much where it is. And, um, you know, and do I have, you know, the, the motivation to sit around and wait and see if, you know, uh, something's going to open up later. If I just give them more of my time, more of my ideas, more of my energy, or do I go out and kind of create something for myself? Uh, and you know, that became a pretty easy decision. Um, and for me, yeah, there's a certain level of kind of like comfort and you know that, you know, every two weeks you're getting your check or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I think, you know, for, uh, people who are, if you are okay with being uncomfortable for a little bit, um, then you can kind of do something that will put you in a position to never have to wait on a check again. Mm, I like that. So also a question I wanted to ask is how do you structure your days and how has it changed since you started? Because I know one thing that I didn't necessarily think about when I think about business and doing business for yourself I thought about, okay, I get to create my own schedule. I need to do, I get to do this. I get to do that. And it might be, my money might be tight for a little while, but if I get this contract, X, Y, and Z, all these went through my head. But then the day after I left my job, and this is way, way back when I, when my first job, when I left, I was like, yo, how am I structuring my days? I was just blind to it. I was kind of new to it. And then it took me a while to get a rhythm. And honestly, even to this day, it's still, it's still difficult at times to structure days. So when you first started, I guess your first day after leaving your, your nine to five, like, how did you structure your days and has it changed since you, since you started? 
Absolutely, yeah. Free time is dangerous, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that that's the kind of misconception when you are working for yourself. You feel like initially, oh, I have free time. Like I can pretty much do whatever I want. And that's kind of like the the first step on on the road to failure, right? You want to <laughs> make sure that you take the same. Uh, kind of like structure that you had from a nine to five and you apply that. So for me now, um, you know, I'm waking up earlier. Uh, I have a son now, so I have other responsibilities that I have to balance throughout the day. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I try to see if I can end, you know, my work day after I do my, my chunks of work, um, probably by like, 7 p.m. That way I can have some time to spend with my family and then hang out with the wife and be able to do our date nights and all that stuff. So I think um, it's, you know, personally, like if I were, you know, single, I'm sure I'd have, you know, different responsibilities, too. So I think uh, one, you got to think about what's the lifestyle you want to live, you know. When do you operate your best? Some people are are night owls and they can crank out their best work, you know, between like 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. So if that's your your best time to work, go ahead and structure your day around that. Um, as, you know, especially if you don't have to, you know, communicate with with people regularly throughout the day, you can feel free to, you know, just optimize your personal um your personal schedule so i think that's those are all the kind of factors that go in it's like you know what are, what are my needs throughout the day like who do i have to be in touch with uh, and then when do i do my best work and how do i kind of build around those things and then once you have that it gets a little easier um it's still not perfect some days you know some days I roll out of bed and I'm like, man, I'm about to roll right back. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I we can't, you know what I mean? I think, you know, you just you just kind of can't stop um, grinding it out because there are certain things that do depend on you. Even as I've begun to, you know, delegate a lot more, um, there's still things that, you know, are unique to me and how I see the world and how I see businesses. So I have to make sure that I'm on point um, whenever I'm needed. Got you, man. What, what would you say was your first or let's take a step back. Why when you when you left and I know you said you wanted to focus on email marketing, why email marketing specifically? And how and I and are you a believer or in the in the belief space of purpose driven job? Like because sometimes you think of email marketing or anything when your when your job is primarily like looking at online and developing concepts, emails, etc. etc. How do you tie specific purpose into that? Uh, so for me, like, you know, the, the I guess the bigger why behind Stellar emails is that uh, I personally want to see people in business for the long term. And what happens is uh, people get stuck in this kind of rat race of always chasing their new customer. Right. So they're always trying to acquire, trying to acquire. Um, but the real success in the lifeblood of good business is is repeat customers. You, you want the people that are coming back to purchase from you three, four, five times every year, as opposed to that person who just purchases once and then kind of forgets about you. So for me, it was about what's going to have you know, or put people in the position to build legacy businesses, not just something that's like, hey, you know, We've been around for five years, but, you know, we ran out of funding and we got to shut down. You mm-hmm. know, what's that thing that, you know, you could potentially pass on to your kid that somebody else could come in and take it over and continue, you know, these traditions. And we look at, 
you know, kind of like the, uh, you know, the old houses and, and the luxury markets, the Hermes and, and the Louis Vuitton and all these, these, you know, brands that have been around for so long. And you got to think, yeah, what's going to put me into that hundred year brand kind of, kind of stratosphere, you know, and this is something uh, for me, especially with all the new developments online and how we can look at data and email just seems to be, Hey, you know, it's, the cheapest thing to maintain, um, you know, people actually want to hear from you. They care about what your brand is doing if they've, you know, ever purchased or heard about your brand. Um, and then all you have to do is keep the conversation going, right? And I think for me, if you want to keep your business going, you have to constantly be in conversation with your customers. Mm. What would you say is like the biggest day, uh, the biggest mistakes that you see currently from businesses specifically in the online space? Uh, I think, you know, part of it is just kind of relying on, on one channel too much. Right. So you see people who are like, well, you know, we've built our business on Instagram or on Facebook. And then you have to realize that you don't own that platform. So when the algorithm changes or the way that you show up on a feed changes or you have to go and struggle to get the same amount of engagement on the post that was doing so well last week and then it's a new week and everything is so different, uh, you got to realize that you're always going to be behind the eight ball because these are companies that are for-profit companies that are finding new ways to make themselves more money. Uh, so the tactics that you thought were going to work or that have worked in the past are are always going to be changing because these companies are looking for more and better ways to monetize for themselves. So your ads get more expensive. You know, you have to do all these different things to adjust to uh, the kind of new, uh, you know, kind of economy that they want to provide for their user base. Um, so being a business that's kind of like attached um, to a platform, you know, so distinctly, it really puts you at a disadvantage. Nah, yeah, you hit, you, you, you're right on the money with that. And as far as like just diversifying different streams or diversifying different things, right now, currently outside of selling emails, are you a big proponent or a person of, okay, let me have multiple streams as an entrepreneur or do you just put all majority of focus on stellar emails? Oh, no, I'm I'm definitely uh, a multiple streams kind of guy. I think that's something that you uh, you need uh, just to survive. Right. I think um, things are constantly changing uh, in the retail space and you have to, um, you know, be kind of aware of all the places that you can add value. So if there are obviously more than one place where you add value, where you have a certain level of experience or expertise, um, you definitely are doing yourself a disservice if you don't find a way to monetize it, right? So uh, for me, um, you know, continuing to uh, consult businesses, um, it's not the most active thing that I push and that I put my kind of um, marketing dollars and time and energy into, but these are still things that are viable, that are available. And all I've done is, you know, make that kind of direct access to me more of a high ticket offering. So it already kind of disqualifies some people um, just by basis of, hey, you know what, they probably can't afford it and they're not ready to do the things that I'm going to you know require of them. Um, and it's perfect for me because I feel that uh, I'm getting properly compensated for the amount of time and energy that I'm going to put into somebody else's business. Yeah, nah, you hit that too. Wait, but my big, another big question I have is, 
pertaining to e-commerce because a lot of times when I think about e-commerce and when I hear it and I see uh, other people online they help out with e-commerce and e-commerce just sounds so like just left field for for a lot of people I mean that are maybe not in that space so could you kind of break down specifically kind of when you say e-commerce kind of what does it mean and also to say for instance for those that are not are, are, are not privy um to it, would you suggest or would you think that's a market that other people like new entrepreneurs would go into or is, is it and is it not not necessarily easy, but is a market that um that you think people could be successful in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll start with the second question first. And, you know, one of the, the biggest draws for e-commerce in general, you know, selling products online, right, as your primary um as your primary sales channel, having an online, you know, website as your primary uh, sales channel. The biggest thing is that there's there's a little bit of overhead, right? And like this is not something where you have to go and find real estate and build something out and you know create a store. This is something that um, you know can cost you. I don't know. Sometimes as as cheaply as like a thousand dollars to start. To be honest, right? Uh, some people uh, are finding so many different ways to do it. So um, there are people who you know obviously spend time and energy and money creating their own products and getting things licensed and getting things tested and doing all that stuff. And you'll see that, you know, in the hair care and the health and beauty industry, um, you know, there are people, you know, that are in the apparel industry that spend time, you know, designing their own thing and making this thing up. But then there are also people who are in the apparel industry and they do something called drop shipping, where you have these companies that have items, you know, already made in stock. Or you have, uh, you know, kind of print on demand options where you have a company that, um, you know, sells you a basic T-shirt. You can have a design created and upload it onto the shirt and they'll print it and send it to your customer on your behalf. So there's so many ways uh, that you can keep your overhead really, really low um, and still be able to build a brand that's really successful. And we've seen um, different examples along the whole spectrum. There are people who have, you know. 200 people working under them and they're small teams of three or four people that are still making really, really good money online. So I think uh, that's what makes it really attractive. You don't have to come in uh, with a whole lot of money in order to be successful. But, um, you know, for the most part, though, it, it still requires the same thing that any store would. Right. You still have to have great customer service. You still have to have a great product. You still have to have a monthly marketing budget to make sure that you're getting in front of people who would care about your products. Um, so some of those things are still the same uh, as far as, you know, physical retail and, and online. But, you know, I think the biggest difference is the, the less overhead that makes it super attractive. Mm. And how do you stay sharp in business? Because I know, like I said, especially in the online space where things are always rapidly changing, um, and like one day algorithm could change one day, um, an email provider could change or the way open rate is a lot of stuff is consistently changing. So how do you, how do you stay abreast of the new changes and how do you make sure that when you're consulting and when you're working with people that you have the most up-to-date knowledge from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's partly your personal community. You know, do you have other entrepreneurs around you who are, you know, in the same space, doing the same thing, dealing with the same problems? Um, and definitely, you know, using online as a resource. There are people who uh, literally have created their businesses on providing content for entrepreneurs, right, for different ways to learn what's happening, what's new. You have sites like, you know, Retail Dive and you have, you know, your 
Entrepreneur Magazine and your, you know, Fast Companies and all that stuff. You have all these different, um, you know, pretty much content sites where they're just aggregating, you know, the latest, uh, you know, the latest news. So you just have to be um, personally responsible to make sure that you're consuming the right stuff so that you can give the right advice. Mm. That, that's that's right there. And have you had to say so far in your, your entrepreneurship journey, could you describe kind of like your best moments and or your best moment and then maybe your worst moment as well? Oh, man, I think the worst moment or probably like the toughest moment for me was actually niching down right because there's this um personal kind of ego thing where you're like you know what i'm good at a lot of things but am i great at it and you have to sit there and really you know judge yourself and say like what's what do i do best right because people don't want uh what you're good at they want what you're best at right that's where you're going to make the most impact personally and of course that's where you're going to make the most money so i think for me it was just kind of admitting that oh, man, I'm, I'm not uh, the ace that I thought I was at all these different things, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and just kind of just, just being honest, right? And I think, um, uh, you know, that's that's a point that I think everyone eventually has to get to to realize, hey, like, I'm only going to be able to capitalize and do the best with the thing that I, you know, consistently uh, work at. So um, for me, it was like, it was great to know that people could rely on me all for all these different types of advice in all these different fields. But um, the person who's really going to get the most out of me is the person who says, yeah, Thierry, I want you to do, um, you and your team to do our email marketing. Um, and the best moment I think, uh, was maybe a month or so back. We had a client, uh, that came to us, um, you know, I think I'd, I'd done a cold email uh, to kind of get them into our our kind of pipeline and we were able to close them. And I think uh, within two months, we did for them the best they've ever done in less than a month of email marketing. We ended up adding an extra 154 thousand to their overall revenue without them having to do any work and that was just kind of like the proof of concept where they Ooh. were there like oh yeah like i know you okay. like dang they uh, i just got a i just got a couple something off i'm like yo can i get do i, can I get a percentage day that's great man that's phenomenal yeah i think for me that was like a really proud moment to say like this is you know this is why it works right you don't have to even press a button you kind of just pass the ball to us and we go ahead and uh, we finish it so that, with that being said, what what have you learned over the last uh, last couple of years in this, this business journey as far as prospecting? Because I know a lot of a lot of businesses when they first start off or not. Even, this is not just for my entrepreneur. This is for anybody that can kind of anybody even outside of business. When you first start something and you're excited about it, you may already have uh, one of the goals accomplished. You may already have a couple contracts in the pipeline, but then those pipelines dry up. Or that goal that you are accomplished, you already you already reached your fitness level, and now it's like, okay, am I just gonna a trophy, or I'm gonna keep growing and keep getting better? And, and, and so, how do you deal with pro- the the prospecting? Is it just a relationship focus, or how do you how do you deal as far as with your company as far as prospecting? Yeah, so I think um, for us, it's always. Is there a need there? Is, there? is there a way that you can add value, right? Because there's no reason to necessarily reach out to someone who is already doing something well that you have no issue with them, right? So we're able to kind of scrub 
um, you know, from the on on the back end side, we're able to kind of scrub through companies and see they are they doing email marketing, are they doing it consistently? You know, how's their design? What's their um, you know what's their look and feel like? How can you kind of see get a peek at what they're already doing and see if you can come in and say, you know, we can make this ten times better and make you way more money, right? So I think that's the first thing, and you know, the second thing is really knowing who that customer is. There's a particular customer um, profile for us that that really works and it's usually uh, the business with uh, a small but kind of really focused team Um, but what usually happens in all businesses is that when you are a small team, but you know you're really dedicated, um, you know something just kind of you know you kind of drop the ball on some things. And email marketing usually ends up being one of those things where it's just like another task, and you know you should be doing it, but man, we're so busy trying to make sure that the product is right and the packaging is right, and that our customers are happy that we kind of you know leave this on the back end and figure out, hey, we'll just put it on the to-do list and get back to it. So um, having had direct experience. Uh, with small teams, I knew that was an issue for them. So it wasn't hard for me to kind of conceptualize and say like, yeah, this will work for other people. Um, So I think that was like the main thing. Hey, do you know who you're actually selling to? What are their pain points? Like why would they, you know, immediately say yes to your service? Not someone who's going to, you know, mull it over and think about it (laughs) and see, you know, and see if, if they, if they need it. But you got that person who's, who's a, you know, what we call kind of like a like a warm lead, like someone who's like, yeah, I'm already feeling the crunch, right? I, I wish I could make more, you know, more money with email. I wish I could get more repeat customers, but I'm just so busy doing all these other things that, you know, things are kind of slipping. So if you would take it over, man, I'd be so happy. So that's the kind of mode uh, that we're in and, you know, working with our kind of copywriting team. And if you go on the Stellar Emails website, it's geared toward that one person. It's geared to that, you know, that business owner that's trying to manage a small team or that's wearing so many hats and trying to make things work. And they understand that, hey, if I did this one thing well and consistently, uh, then I could finally have some breathing room. And once we kind of, you know, got into the head of our, our customer a little bit, you know, we're able to kind of um, develop our features and our service, you know, based around them. Mm, I like that. So instead of uh, so not taking the prospect approach of I'm just going to just cold call and email as many people as possible and see if they're interested. No, that's that is a part of it. But that's not a full strategy. Just kind of really seeing, okay, because it takes time to really identify what the pain points are and then who is exhibiting those pain points and then who to contact that they can really make plays on exhibiting those pain. It's just a lot involved in it. So, so that, that, that brings me to a question about. Did you have any mentors or people in the game outside of just taking online courses and maybe attending conferences? Did you have people that allowed you or enabled you to fine tune kind of what your skill set was and what your genius level ability was in? Uh, So definitely conferences were super helpful. I attended a conference called Shop Talk, which was for me... um, it gave me even a bigger glimpse at to what larger companies deal with. So it wasn't even something that I was like, oh, like this is like a conference for me. I was like, you're going to just throw yourself into like the deep end of the pool and see like what people are actually dealing with. So it showed me how all the different growth strategies and all these things that, you know, these people have to juggle and why, you know, companies 
get big, right? What are the kind of secrets to why companies get big? And um, email marketing happened just to be one of those things. And uh, for me, I was I was pretty, uh, you know, fortunate to have, you know, clients early on that were just like, I mean, if you think this would help, go ahead and do it. And <laughs> so I was able to experiment. I think that was like the the, the biggest thing for me because, you know, the courses kind of give you the concepts and the foundational knowledge. But if you don't have anywhere to apply it, then you're just kind of stuck with, you know, these things rolling around in your head and no way to kind of get them out uh, into the real world. So I think I, I was most thankful uh, for my clients that you know, continue to let me wear all the hats that I needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that allowed me to really figure out what I was best at. Ah, that's that's great, man. And, and it switched gears a little bit. When I first, we had our initial phone call, I know you mentioned that um, you were married, but also too that your your wife was your business partner. Like y'all work together on things. And that, that's a, and I just wanted you to kind of delve into that about um, one, how did y'all kind of, first of all, how did y'all meet? And then two, being that y'all worked, how did what made y'all say, okay, we're gonna do this business together? Oh man, so I think I'll start with the second one because the key, honestly, to working with your partner is understanding, you know, your strengths and weaknesses. So her background, um, she had a background in PR and kind of fashion merchandising, and she pretty much I met her uh, right during that. Um, med school break and um she was able to before you know us becoming kind of romantic she was able to just kind of help me figure out things in my head right like how do these things work and literally i remember her giving me her old textbooks from college because this is the stuff that she majored in um and i was just kind of breaking onto the scene and trying to see what worked you know so um immediately um we had this kind of exchange in our relationship where like hey if there's something that you need help with like i'm available and she was likewise so i think that's the balance that we've always operated on so now as we've continued to grow um as people individually and as business owners individually we still kind of come in um to our relationship with the same thing of like hey like take this off your plate you know i'll do this for you you'll do this thing for me because i don't want to stress and you don't want to stress so we save each other the headaches i think that's pretty much like our golden rule is like if something is giving you trouble and i'm good at it then i'll do it for you and then if something is giving us both trouble then we find somebody else and pay them to do it um that way we keep the the kind of stress levels low in the house yeah, now I can I can see how that can can uh, be an issue, and I always think I've actually I've had trouble in the past working with. Sometimes it is difficult to work with somebody from the opposite sex. If you're an entrepreneur, it just some and you're around the same age. Some sometimes it it can be difficult to think, and I think it's a lot of times it boils down to just communication. So, uh, being a married man and and being have, actually having your wife as a business partner, is there any tools or tips you can give to our audience as far as just 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 communication in general? Um, and and I don't know if you t- could take the emotion out of it because I can I can see if y'all are working on a project, something goes wrong. When you're not, you don't live with somebody. You can just leave the house, or you you come back the next day <laughs> nine to five. But it's cool. But then it's like, hold oh, up, man. this same person is making your dinner. This is the same person that's the mother of your child. Like it's it's a lot entwined, and you know that. Okay, say if you want to, is a good example. Say if you wanted to give a suggestion or uh, to something, or maybe something wasn't done uh, that you thought should be done, or she, and you want to give feedback, but they're like, hold up, 
some people don't take that. Some people take the feedback and then it's, it's done. But like I said, this is the same person that when, when the clock strikes seven, like you said, when you get off, it, it, it's still there. And that's a still foundation is still there. So how do y'all kind of separate things? Uh, for, for me, as you know, I don't think you can, I think you, uh, you don't allow kind of like the negative stuff to bleed through. Right. So I think, um, you know, our best, um, tactic is to make sure that we get it right before we shut down. So it's not something where you can say like, oh, well, this didn't work out. So like, we're just going to wait till the next day because it's inevitable that it's going to kind of bleed into the rest of your interactions. Mm. We're just like, what's the solution? Like this, the solution is the only thing that matters um, because our goals are the same. Right. So I think that's it. Like for me, it was about, hey, things don't have to always happen the way I say they should. That was like the biggest adjustment because it's like, um, you know, Tierra, you're actually not, you know, the smartest person in the room. Right. Like it's <laughs> like there's there's a there's this kind of like um, push and pull there where it's just like, oh, like I had this plan. I think it should go this way. Um, but then it's like, you know, you can't be a great leader if you're not constantly kind of being open to feedback. Um, so I think that's been, you know, the best adjustment. Um, both as um, you know her husband and as a business partner is being able to say like this is this is your realm like you're great at this so tell me what to do right tell me what we should do and how we should kind of go about it Um, and it usually works out pretty well when we allow each other to be great in our zones of genius individually so I think that's how we limit um, the you know potential for like butting heads and things like that and i think honest feedback is the only feedback there's no kind of sugarcoating um when something is being done wrong because if you sugarcoat it then you turn it into a a bigger issue down the line as opposed to saying like we're just going to fix it right here right now so that we continue to go in the right direction as opposed to having to turn around when you're down the road like eight blocks you know what i mean so um Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, hey, how do we approach this thing? How do we look for an immediate solution to what's going on? If something's going well, continue to do it and um, and just continue to sit down and review things, you know, every week or so. Say, hey, is this working? Why is it not working? Are you not doing enough? Should you be doing more? Can we hire somebody to do this? And then um, just keep it moving. I think, again, the goals are the same. That's the biggest thing because we've been working together since um, we've been dating. So wow, uh, that's that's something that kind of pushed us to immediately say like, hey, like yeah, we're gonna be able to communicate about these things and give each other feedback and say like, okay, we're gonna be able to do, you know to divide our labor and do all these other things like that. Um, and now it's I mean it's been fantastic because now that we do have a son, we still have our roles to play and we're so clear on our roles that we don't necessarily have to you know add that in as another wrench in in the in the you know in the cogs man that is that is amazing and phenomenal in itself man and i i I do when you were talking it it did come to mind that one have you ever been into in a situation and maybe not in this business partnership but it, it was the opposite where say the communication and lines weren't you didn't have the and I like that philosophy is like let's settle it today. And I think that can that can that can become just for people, not even just people that are in relationships or going business with partner or business with friends, just in general. Let's try to find a solution today and not saying, okay, I'm gonna talk about this tomorrow. And then because that's what happens is 
you sometimes you don't talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes, and when it does come, it becomes like a big show now. Because I'm like, I remember two weeks ago you did this, and three weeks ago you did this. Do you have any experience, or could you can you speak to it? If you can't, it's fine. But can you speak to say something that has been going on, or the communication lines haven't been open, and now you're trying to open them back up? Because I know some people may be in relationships or are doing business with friends or other partners. And it's like they never they never created that same they have the same goal, but they never had that same opus and honest line of feedback or how they're going to communicate. And now they're kind of upstream and then everybody's at dis- disarray. So what would your advice be to that person? Yeah, I mean, I think that happened, you know, early on uh, for me with my clients, actually, that there were there was no kind of. You know, standard operating procedure. There was no, you can't call me at 10 p.m. Um, you know what I mean? And I think so. Part of it is, you know, starting off and kind of having your boundaries and your roles outlined early as as clearly as you can. Right. So I think that's the thing, too. A lot of people get stuck uh, when they're in business and it's like so rigid. Right. Like I do this and no one can ever no one else can you know give me any feedback on it or whatever like that. I'm just you know, this is my thing. Um, but I think if you're not open uh, to adjusting, then you're really not open to growing. So for me, my best advice is to, you know, articulate roles and responsibilities early on you know, expectations early on between each other and then just just stick to them, right? I think what usually happens is like someone who, let's say, is offended and let's say, you know, the you know, as your your business kind of your uh, manifesto said, hey, if you're offended, address it immediately so we can clear it out. But somebody's offended and say, you know what, I'm just going to let it slide this time. And they don't necessarily let it slide, right? It's like still <laughs> there, um, you know? So I think like, if you are going to sit there and, and have a partnership or have a, a group of, of, of people that you work with and have the same goals, there should be a manifesto that is not only articulated, but that you each you know individually stick to and even hold each other accountable to. Right. So if you don't have a weekly meeting that says, hey, you know, did I offend you today or did I step on your toes this week or, you know, did we clash this week? And is there a better way that we can kind of get around it? You know, it just shows that you're not trying to find solutions actively you're okay with kind of going with the flow and going with the flow is very dangerous when when the flow is not good right it's great when the flow is great but it's horrible when the flow is not good so it's just like you got to say hey this is how we do things this is our standing opera standard operating procedure and we don't budge from it you know we address things immediately we talk about stuff you know we bring other people in for advice we you know pay for conferences and training because we individually want to get better these are all things that kind of come into the conversation and you dropping some gems on somebody i hope i hope they're really listening and taking notes because usually people listen on podcasts they hear my voice uh, uh about 50 percent of the time and i'm just listening and taking all this stuff in and this is some some great stuff it can save people a lot of pain a lot of hurt not just in business but even in relationships as far as just being having that open com- lines of communication and setting those standards man so that speaks for itself and i just thank you for blessing us with that that piece and that nugget you can kind of we can kind of walk home from here man but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh so as we kind of transition a bit as we get closer to the end when you think about future right when you think about your future of of the business and and how things progress and whatnot what what are, what are your thoughts and how do you kind of deal with there is a, there is an inherent uncertainty with entrepreneurship right where this next 5 years so say next 5 years business 
booms. And this, and, and side note, there's an uncertainty with corporate America as well. You can get fired any day. That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. But there is a certain, it's like, man, this is like, this is, this is my life. Um, this is everything. And, and, and one bad decision or one contract to go south or who knows what can happen. Stuff can dry up. So how do you, how do you deal with that uncertainty? Is there, is there a specific place you go? Is it religion? Is it just, is it, is it your relationships with people? Like, how do you deal with, um, the certainty of, of business? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it kind of starts with like this certainty of self, right? And we, we kind of go into this mode of like, this is going to be the outcome, like, no matter what, right? Like, it's kind of like my success is, is inevitable. And the the stream for me doesn't necessarily matter. Like, right now, um, it's stellar emails, and this is kind of where my skill set goes to and all that stuff. But, you know, I could learn something, you know, tomorrow or hire somebody tomorrow that is going to – or, you know – hire a coach tomorrow that's going to completely shift how I look at things and I can jump into another business. So it's not necessarily about this one static business. That's my end all be all. Um, for me, it's kind of like the outcome of, of the lifestyle and the, that I want to live and, and the legacy that I want to leave. So um, I think if you do get kind of bogged down and thinking, you know, hey, maybe this isn't going to work or uh, maybe, you know, it has like a, a shelf life to it and it'll eventually end and you know, I think that you will, right? It's one of those things of like, you know, <laughs> whether you think you will or you think you won't, like you're right, right? I think, um, you know, it definitely starts and you know, at the mindset level. Um, for me, um, you know, I'm a Christian, so I've been uh, more and more kind of exposed uh, to, I guess, the, the promises of God in the Bible and where, you know, your faith is is the tool that you kind of appropriate everything so all that stuff is really kind of like bound up in in how you think about things right so if you're exposing yourself to you know positivity and you're seeing you know other people's businesses grow and you're thinking about your business growing and all that stuff like you'll see um your reality kind of bend to that um you know but vice versa if everyone around you in your circle is saying man entrepreneurship is scary man i don't know how long do you think this can go <laughs> then you're gonna start thinking man maybe i should get out of this now before something, <laughs> something turns out so uh yeah. you know it, it, it's kind of yeah it's really kind of like a consequence of the mind right so i think that's the first thing if you you know want to be an entrepreneur you settle in your mind that i'm gonna be an entrepreneur or necessarily i am an entrepreneur and i'm just you know evolving through whether i'm you know still in my nine to five or whatever i'm evolving i'm becoming that right i'm still kind of consistently becoming that and every lesson i learn or situation i go through is you know leading me toward that path um and just you know kind of sticking it out right like this wasn't you know a business idea that i had five years ago so in the next five years um i'm i'm excited honestly to see what will develop based off off all the experiences that i've had and things like that right i could you know in five years or ten years i could be in like the nonprofit space like who knows right <laughs> who knows? But, but you know the thing about it is like you know you've been kind of given tools and, and natural talents and you know it's our job to figure out hey how do we best apply these to you know help change the world and um 
and be happy while we do it. So I think that's uh that's the awesome thing. And literally, especially in 2018 with the internet, our, our potential is more tangibly limitless than probably ever before. Um, where you can literally, you know, you can learn something in a day if you wanted to. You know what I mean? So it's like it's totally different than having to, you know, go to a ancient library by candlelight, right? Like there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of opportunity, right? And I think that um, that's how everyone should start their day, um, knowing that there are opportunities out there that people are actively looking um, for what you you know want to give them and how you want to benefit them, and uh, you know eventually those points are going to intersect. Yeah, I, I like that. Just starting the day off or the opportunity. And I guess that that's really goes into your environment as well, making sure you're pumping in the right stuff. Because if you start the day off with a, with, 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 with a, with a negative mindset, like negative things tend to jump out and come attack you and come chill with you. So I, I respect that to the, to a hundred, man. And also too, man, I think you, you touched on it a little bit, but when it's all said and done, not to be too morbid, like, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, oh man so i think you know even when i was in med school there was this this whole thing about um you know you help people right there's this this general sense of like i'm, I'm here to help people and i think that's the one thing that hasn't changed um for me now it's like my legacy is you know currently you know having helped people build legacy businesses right things that that are strong that are viable um that aren't kind of like shutting down with every new issue um and i think that's my most important thing it's it's how do i help other people my legacy is helping other people you know build their own so um uh, that's why i'm you know i'm really happy with that i think that's a powerful thing um and you know i've been you know uh really fortunate to also work with people of color and help them build their businesses too so i think that's that also kind of falls in line uh with where i see myself at, at the end of my life mm, i love that man love that so we're gonna switch gears and go to our, our rapid fire round man i asked a series of five rapid fire questions you can give me rapid fire answers or take your time if you think if you want man you ready to go yeah ready to go what's the best piece of advice that you have never received Oh man, that's a great. great <laughs> um, the best piece of advice I've never received, uh, and I ended up—I didn't receive it directly. I ended up hearing it from somebody else's start, even if you're not ready. Mm. And it's the probably I think like the scariest prospect um, when you're just like, oh man, like you know, but I have to have this and this and this in order. Um, but again, I kind of, it kind of speaks to the mindset is like, well, you know, I'm, I'm out here. I'm going to literally be putting everything that I have into something and something's going to shake out. So I think that's a, that's a super powerful thing. I didn't get it uh, when I needed it, but um, I heard it way later and I'm just like, you know, that is right. Uh, so that's the one uh, start uh, when you're not ready. And uh, I got the second question, but I want to ask something in, in particular on that. When you see when you start something before you're before you're before you're not, before you're actually ready, and say if it doesn't go out right, do you specifically do you are you the type of person that that holds on to past mistakes and kind of is in the back of your head, or do you kind of just let it go immediately, or have you developed into the person let it go immediately? Uh, I think I've developed into the person that looks for the lessons, mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's there's 
for me it's like it's weird like when you kind of say like it doesn't work out right because there's like there's something there right so um there's something there whether it's like oh you know um you know the planning could have been tighter or i could have brought in you know another skilled person with me and something like that there's always something that you kind of take can take away from the situation and flip it so that you can almost literally you know start right back up immediately get right back on the horse because uh there was something there you know before that you didn't know and now there's this new thing that you can apply uh and to find your own kind of like a uh, special formula so i think uh just kind of developing into someone who's constantly saying like oh like you know what did i learn or what did i glean from this um even if it's like a minuscule little nugget uh, I've been on, you know, uh, when I was like trying to like really kind of get um, all my knowledge together and my expertise, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to take these courses and jump on these webinars and do whatever that everyone's offering. And you'll be on that thing for an hour and be like, <laughs> I didn't get nothing new. But then you stick it out and you can get this last little thing that you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to flip that. Or, or I can see how that applies to my business. They may be talking about it in this you know, one industry, but I can see I can flip this and apply it to you know, the people that I'm serving too. So I think, uh, yeah, looking for those nuggets, kind of like having your eyes open um, to see um, what's really available instead of just kind of like shutting it down and being like, oh man, I didn't get anything from this at all. So um, uh, yeah, I think that that's a special um Special discipline that you have to develop. Love it, man. Now I got the title for the show. Look for the lessons. I mean, I think that's that's huge. That's simple. That's profound. Anything. If you could do that immediately, not like a year from now. Because, you know, everybody, yeah, yeah. when they when they on it, like, <laughs> two <laughs> years. Yeah, they, they feel like two years from now. Like, I should have. Or, or worse, unfortunately, even at funerals. They're like, well, or at the end, or when they're, when they're past their prime when that windows and all a lot of opportunities have closed now all of a sudden it's like man i should have did this nah go ahead and try to look for the lessons immediately so you can apply them so i, I love that man so the question back to the rapid fire round if you could add one habit and take away one habit what would they be uh add one habit um i think i would, I would probably uh consistently exercise um i'm always in awe of people who are like on a day that i'm not there i'm just like <laughs> i'm walking by the gym i'm walking by the park and i'm like man you out here like you know what i mean it's just like wow i'm, I'm always in awe because there's you know a certain level of like that physical discipline that's like well the rain's not gonna stop me the snow's not gonna stop me or whatever like that i'm like ah man it's wet outside i'm i'm not gonna go <laughs> um so that's uh, that's one part of it um that i would add what I would take away, probably uh, my my uh, indulgences in, in some junk food. I'm a big cake guy, so oh, man, I'm a huge. I, I I I am a huge cake guy. What's your favorite kind? What's your favorite kind? So I'm 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 everything lemon, man. So I love it <laughs> as a as a kind of palate cleanser. And then when you make it right, like it just oh, man. So. I get my moments where I'm just like, man, I, I think I'm going to treat myself. But I was like, it doesn't end up being necessary. And it's just like, oh, it's just kind of gluttonous. So um, I think that's probably <laughs> one thing I'll take away. But um, yeah. yeah, that'll be it. I think I could, I could say that's one of the worst things that I've seen in business for myself is that anytime I get a contract or anytime I get a gig or anything else, for some reason, I'm like, I, I my mind tells me I deserve to, to go. <laughs> I, I deserve like... 
anything that I want. I can go, oh, let me get some ribs tonight or let me go ahead and kill. Like I'm talking about a couple pies. That's cool because I just got this. I just got this gig. Yeah. But it's like, hold up, man. Like once you consistently start getting stuff, then it's like, man, I can't be doing this every single time. Like. Yeah, it's not healthy after a while. Not but, at um, all. Not at all. Yeah, fun for a short time, but definitely something I'm like, yeah, I can, I can live without it, which is cool. Uh, what is your favorite book and why? Oh man, man, or it man! Could be, it could be a top. It could be a top two. Oh, wow, this is awesome. So I think something that I could read. Uh, over and over again is uh, Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, something that, okay, I'll do something I just discovered. Um, it is a book called uh, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Uh, my wife put me onto it. She started doing audiobooks, and she's like, you got to listen to this. And it's a complete um what first like a fantastic reminder but then also kind of like a complete shift in some areas of mindset and how you know we relate to money um how we use money um you know why we should have it um and the things that uh, kind of keep us from getting it right so it's a, that's a i think a nice mysterious kind of intro so that someone can go ahead and read it but um yeah you are a badass at making money by jensen chero is fantastic Say less. I'm about to get that on Amazon today. Uh, what is your biggest fear? Snakes. Snakes? Yeah, man. Listen, I, I'm just not with it. I'm just <laughs> not. Like, there's absolutely nothing else. Like, if you're like, hey, man, you know, let's go, go ahead and jump out of plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, I'll see if my wife will let me. But <laughs> I don't personally have an issue with it. But, man, like, I'm just... I'm just not a snake guy. And it's like, not even like like the paralyzing fear. Like there's some people who are like, they'll see one and then kind of like freeze up. But it's just like, it just creeps me out. And I'm just, I'm just not with it. So <laughs> if I'm ever, you know, taking a uh, kid to the zoo or whatever, I'm just kind of like, we're just going to skip this section. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just generally uncomfortable. Um, so I think I'll, I'll give that as my, my fear. Uh, and then the last question of the culture change round is if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? What was the first thing I would what? What's the first thing you would do? Oh, so happy, man. <laughs> um, in the society that we live now, oh, man. And that's a tough question. Why I I'll, I'll explain why I think it's a tough question. Then I'll try to figure out what the first thing would be, um, because you you can't kind of legalize kind of like ethics and morality, right? Yeah. Like it, it ends up being like how people feel about it. If they don't feel what uh, what they're doing is wrong, then they just kind of continue to do it. Um, there's certain stop gaps as far as like you know types of corruption and stuff that happen but you have to find it first and you have to be able to prove it first um so there's no kind of like hey like don't do this and just because it's like a horrible thing to do um so that's my one issue um what i do first uh, i think the first thing i would try to do is man this is a lot 
Yeah, no, nah, it's it's always a loaded oh, question. Cause all right, yeah, cause I'm looking at like we said it. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking STEM for black kids. I'm thinking <laughs> you know, taking care of our our military service people that kind of come back and don't have anything. It's like I'm thinking healthcare and and why there's these huge disparities of like diabetes and heart disease and things like that in these uh you know more ethnic and urban neighborhoods versus others. So, oh man, um. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say um, funding uh, STEM programs for inner city youth. Mm. Okay, I think it's it's a mindset thing, it's an opportunity thing. Um, I've been privileged to have a lot of friends that are, you know, in that you know kind of coding space uh, that are you know black and brown, and they're giving back. Uh, and I think it's one of those things where if you don't see uh, people that look like you in these positions. Uh, then you don't think it's available to you. Um, so I think that we one thing that can kind of shift, uh, you know, some kids' mindsets so that they're not, you know, only focused on what's in mainstream media. Ah, it could say no more, say no more. So I got one last question. This is out. The culture change round is done. I asked it to everybody on the show. But before I do there, I will be remiss if I didn't say, if I didn't ask, uh, how has how's fatherhood been? So, I mean, yeah, how's fatherhood been so far? I um, mean, it's it's amazing. So we uh, initially were like that couple that are like, man, we just want to chill and hang out with each other. We don't want kids at all. And then we had our, uh, you know, our moms and our uh, <laughs> friends and our pastor like praying against us to make sure that we have a kid. <laughs> and it worked. Uh, so um, how long after you know, y'all before after y'all were married? Uh, we're going to our, our fourth year married now, uh, and he's one. So right around, you know, okay, so I had two, three years. Yeah, yeah, we had, we had some, some fun times and we're, you know, continuing to kind of grow and, um, in this kind of new level of responsibility. So I think it's, it's all positive. Um, but yeah, man, it's amazing. I think, um, the reminder was that it was of how, how quickly you can grow because this is you know you know a kid that came home and literally like you know didn't move and then now like you just can't stop him from running around so it's just like wow like in you know this this year's time he's gone through all these like fantastic transitions and first words and first steps and first time feeding himself with a spoon and all these other things like that you're just like watching in awe and then you just realize too, it's like, yeah, like just because I'm an adult doesn't mean I have to stop growing either. Um, mm. The biggest lesson from it, where there's like, if you kind of keep that, you know, vision in front of you, you're also like, hey, I can apply this to my life too. It's not just like awesome to see him develop. It's awesome to know that I still have my own developing to do, um, you know, in in my in my level. So. Uh, it's it's fantastic though. Uh, I don't know. I would I would recommend it only to people who have, uh, you know, stable relationship and a great family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like yeah, don't think you know having a kid is gonna fix anything or whatever like that. Um, so yeah, I think that that's it. If you have a fantastic partner, and um, yeah, I mean you get to bring a new life into the world. I was I was in the room, man. I saw everything. So um, <laughs> oh yeah, man. It was amazing. It was amazing. I think and I just saw, you know, this completely new level of strength from my wife and 
all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, if you're in kind of like a, a, a great kind of positive relationship, then it's like, oh, it's it's even better. Um, generally, kids are a blessing, but it's even better across the whole family um, if the relationship is positive and, and you got a great support network. Love that, man. Love that. That's that sounds very refreshing to hear, man. So as we close the show, everybody that comes on the show, I consider a culture change agent in their field, in their space, man. And this this question jumps right into it. If you could change one thing about society and it's another deep one. So it might it's going to take some time just kind of meditate on it. But if you could change one thing about society, uh, most specifically our African-American culture, uh, what would it be and why? Ooh, um. Especially about this culture. Um, I think I would encourage um, ownership of any kind, whether it's, you know, owning communities, owning retail spaces, owning real estate. Like there's, we don't have enough of a foothold um, currently. Uh, to be able to really kind of like exercise our our buying power on another level too, right? I think that's that's the awesome thing. It's like yeah, we spend the money, um, but we, you know, for the majority, kind of spend it outside of our community. Um, and I'm loving you know seeing platforms like yours and others that are kind of encouraging this uh, exchange uh, among people of color. Um, so I think that'll be my, my biggest thing is just like continue to kind of, you know, support each other, you know, buy from each other, you know, go see each other, you know, on stages and all that stuff. Um, and make sure that the money's kind of circulating, uh, in our community for sure. In addition to others, of course. Mm. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's crazy that. I don't know where, I don't know if I was in men's Bible class. I don't know where I was at, where within the last week that ownership was, was just on my, we had a whole discussion about just taking ownership and how ownership is kind of lacking specifically in, um, not, I mean, in all communities, but what we see in our, our young men and even I can see myself still a young man, but our, our teens and, and anything else is that not only the physical ownership of things, but also the mental taking ownership of things we have to do better, things we have to grow in or our responsibilities or et cetera. So it's crazy how it came back uh, full circle, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a powerful thing. And I think, you know, you know, our job as we're, you know, and yeah, like you said, we're still a young man, but there's, you know, still so many, um, you know, even younger guys to kind of give back to and speak into um, and kind of show kind of like, you know, different aspects of life. I think we're all just kind of, um, you know, reacting to our exposure. Um, so if we can go ahead and change or add to uh, what they're being exposed to, you know, at their stage, uh, then they're more apt to make some different decisions. Mm. Say less, man. Say less, man. So, but the bottom of my heart, man, and um, my daughter Trouble is HR, I said, want to thank you for for all your time, man, this this afternoon. I know these are prime time hours, man, so we don't want to hold you long. want to let you get back to us so you can finish out the rest of the day, man. So, before we let you go, could you share with our audience where we can find more information about you and get in contact and all the stuff you do from a business perspective and uh, how we can reach out? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, primarily, uh, you can go to stellaremails.com, S-T-E-L-L-A-R, emails.com. That's uh, our main company site where you can learn a little bit more about what we do, our strategy, um, how we intake clients. So if you are in e-commerce, uh, you know, feel free to, um, you know, say hi, set up a consultation call and can uh, see if we're uh, a good fit. Um, otherwise, uh, you can tweet me, uh, if you have any questions about business, um, uh, T Augustin underscore T A U G U S T I N underscore. And you can feel free to, you know, uh, kind of catch me there. Um, and then, uh, also my main site, TRAUgustin.com, uh, just to learn about some of the different things, uh, that I do. So, my noted trailblazer nation, you already know we need you to do two things. One, we need you to thank, thank our guests for coming on the show, dropping those jewels, and just giving us well over an hour of his time. And also, as we close out, you already know I need you to leave a review, leave a review, leave a review, and continue to change the freaking culture. Good night. <laughs>